Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two of our World at Work podcast on the COVID-19 vaccination rollout. My name is Stephen Woodbury, and the session we're about to undertake is where we look across a selection of countries and regions to examine not only how the vaccination rollout is going, but also what issues have arisen for employers to be mindful of as more and more employees become vaccinated and government regulation in relation to the performance of work and employees and society in general changes. Uh, now, I'm delighted to have joining with me our panellists uh, from Paris, Muriel Pariente, leader of our Paris practice. Over in Frankfurt, Judith von der Heidt, counsel in our Frankfurt practice in Madrid, Cristina Grande, who leads our um, Spanish practice. Over in Asia, Karen Mitra is joining us, um, who heads up our Asia Pacific practice out of Singapore. And finally, in London, Ruth Buchanan will be joining us to talk about the developments in the UK. Before we get to our panellists, I thought it'd be useful to set the scene just by looking at the vaccination rates globally and be forgiven for thinking that um, that's all anyone's thinking about or doing at the moment. Uh, and it is indeed the case that over a billion people worldwide have been vaccinated, which amounts to around 13 or 14% of the global population. But the performance across the world has been mixed. When you break it down into the various regions, it's interesting to see that there are standout performers in most regions of the world. In South America, Chile and Uruguay have close to 60% of people who are fully vaccinated. Over in the Middle East, they're doing pretty well. Israel, Qatar, UAE, all well above 50%. Uh, in Asia, a number of countries getting close to 50%, including Singapore, but Mongolia is actually the standout at 6.6%. And in Europe, Hungary leads the pack in Europe at 54%, followed closely by the UK. We're about to hear a bit more about that shortly. And of course, we are aware that um, in the United States and North America, both um, the States and Canada have been doing very well. Africa lags uh, and will require significant global support uh, to increase the levels of vaccination throughout the African continent. And I'll just turn to Australia first before we move to our panellists. I'm sorry to say that Australia is lagging uh, the rest of the world, as is New Zealand. We're at around 11 to 12% fully vaccinated. New Zealand's are slightly better, which is a bit of a fall from grace given that in Australia, the perception was that we were doing quite well. But the Delta variant, which is uh, cut across so many countries has um, hit down under, taken hold, and that's led to further lockdowns, further government regulation and restrictions across a significant proportion of the population, and that's had a flow on in relation to the performance of work and a lot more restrictions in terms of um, what work um, can be performed, work from home, stand downs, uh, and calls for greater levels of government support. So we're a bit behind in terms of the vaccination rollout, and that's becoming a significant focus uh, of the government and obviously of employers. So from our perspective in Australia, that is certainly something which we are looking overseas to in terms of the experience of a number of other countries, which is why this podcast is so timely, which leads me to uh, look at, as I say, one of our star performers across the globe is the UK. And Ruth, first to you, one of the first countries to uh, purportedly break free of restrictions. How is it going? And more particularly, what, what do you expect to take place over the next little while, given the changes in the UK? Our return to normalcy in England uh, started earlier this week on the 19th of July. You're right that the main reason that the government's taken this step is the successful rollout of the vaccination programme. But we still have a large number of cases heading towards about 50,000 cases a day, unfortunately. However, the vaccination programme has weakened the link between testing positive and subsequent hospitalisation and death. 
The interval between the first and the second dose of the vaccine has also been reduced from 12 weeks to eight. So the hope is that everyone over 18 should be double jabbed by mid-September. The arrival of summer and the long school holidays have also influenced the government's kind of now or never decision as those events act as natural fire breaks. So from the 19th in England, virtually all legal restrictions have now been lifted. The government's no longer instructing people to work from home, but they have recommended a gradual return to the workplace. Um, the one meter plus rule on social distancing has also ended and face coverings are no longer required by law, although the government does expect and recommend that people here will continue to wear face coverings in crowded and enclosed spaces like trains. And then the next main change that we have um, on the horizon is, is on the 16th of August in England. That's when we have a significant change to our track and trace system. At the moment here, you have to self-isolate for 10 days if you're told to do that by, um, by our NHS uh, test and trace system. But from the 16th, we're moving to a different regime so that children or anyone who's fully vaccinated if they have contact with someone testing positive, then they need to take a PCR test and only self-isolate if it's positive. So that's just a kind of general summary of, of why we've been able to move a little bit further in the UK. Thanks, Ruth. And we are all watching with interest. And I'll come back to you uh, later to find out how that's uh, translating through to the employment scene. Muriel, turning over to France, I think I just read about uh, almost like the government possibly introducing a no ticket, no, meaning no vaccine, no play, meaning you're not allowed to do certain things, which created a bit of controversy. How are things going in Paris and in France? Absolutely, Stephen. We, the government has just created a health pass, which is called Pass Sanitaire in France. This pass means that to gain access to said places, People over 12 years old will have to show proof of non-contamination with COVID-19, proof of full vaccination, negative test within the last 48 hours, positive COVID-19 test of at least 11 days old and less than six months old. This pass will enable access to activities with large crowd, indoor and outdoor sporting events, cultural venues, casinos, festivals, trade shows. President Macron recently announced that the letter will be expanded as of 21 of July. It will become mandatory in France for all cultural venues and places of entertainment, theatres, cinemas, festivals, concerts, halls, welcoming more than 50 people. As of beginning of August, it will become mandatory for cafes, bars, restaurants, even outdoor terraces, malls, hospitals, and travels. More place should be added to this list later if necessary, depending on the epidemic situation. Remote working rules has been eased since 9 June uh, this year. Remote working is no longer mandatory at 100% of the working time anymore, but the employer must set a minimum number of days of remote working per week. Open up for more business travel. The French government currently applies also a traffic light system with countries listed as red, amber, or green. However, from 19 July, France reinforced board controls for some countries subject to new rules. It now requires people not fully vaccinated and arriving from some European countries, Spain, Portugal, Greece, the Netherlands, and the UK, 
to show a negative COVID test taken within the previous 24 hours. Very interesting, Muriel. In fact, the, the pass is something that many countries have been talking about. So it's, it's, it's good to see the French putting it into play. But I, I'm imagining, though, that there is an intent that, to increase the vaccination rate. Do you know what percentage of the population they're aiming for? Yeah, I guess more than 60, 60. But, but to be honest, after this announcement, uh, I think guess for one day, more than one million person asked for the vaccination. So I guess it work, is working. It is working for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Everyone wants to get to a cafe or a bar. <laughs> yeah, or a restaurant. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Very, very good. Thank you, Muriel. Uh, Judita, let's uh, go over to Germany. And I know there's been other issues to worry about with flooding, etc., cetera, uh, through Germany. But uh, in terms of vaccination and the rollout, has that been continuing smoothly for, for the Germans? Yeah, well, thank you, Stephen. Um, in Germany, approximately 61% have already received their first vaccination and 48% of the Germans are fully vaccinated. The aim in Germany is to get as many uh, people as possible vaccinated on a voluntary basis, um, as Germany will not introduce a legal vaccination obligation. With regard to restrictions, the federal law, popularly known as the Federal Emergency Break, which provided for very strict measures during the third lockdown, and such as restricted personal contact to one household and one other person, curfews, home office duties, school closures and shop closures, expired on 30th June. And its place is now taken by legislations of the individual federal states. Um, depending on the legislation of the individual states and the incidence of the respective region, um, currently 10 to 25 persons are allowed to meet in public spaces, not counting vaccinated and recovered persons. And due to the currently very low incidence in all German regions, um, restaurants, shops and schools are open again. There are no changes with regard to the obligation to wear medical masks in Germany and um, to keep the distance of 1.5 meters in Germany. In order to avoid additional entry from infections from other countries, Germany has a strict entry regulation which divides countries into three categories like um, basic risk areas, high incidence areas and areas of virus variants of concern. And different rules apply to the respective areas when entering into Germany, such as testing obligations um, or quarantine. And just in relation to the obligation to wear masks, can you just remind us again what those are at the moment? Well, in Germany, you have to wear um, specific masks like um, um, FFP2 masks or masks which are um, basically or can be used for medical use, yeah, medical masks. I see. And do you, uh, do you have to wear them on public transport or indoors? or? Exactly. You have to wear them indoors and on public transport and um, also in uh, open spaces if you can't keep the distance of 1.5 metres. Okay. So still there's some levels of restrictions. Yes. Okay. Thanks, Judith. Very interesting. Now let's turn over to Cristina in Spain and Madrid. Uh, Spain, Cristina, was one of the European countries uh, hardest hit early on, but then managed to get things under control. So I was just wondering, how have you been going with the vaccination program? Uh, thank you, Stephen. Um, in Spain, uh, we have uh, like a, a bit more than 60% of the Spanish residents that have at least one dose of the vaccine, and almost 50% has the complete vaccination schedule. 
Uh, it is expected that by the end of August, at least 70% of the residents will be vaccinated. The more relaxed measures of not requiring, for example, face marks in open spaces when one and a half meters apart were linked to the decrease on the cases. But in the last weeks, there has been a peak of cases, about 200,000 cases in the last 14 days. This peak affects mainly to those aids between 29 and 12, who are the population that has not been vaccinated yet. So for this, uh, in this scenario, Spanish government is planning to offer vaccinations to certain range of aids as soon as possible. And in any case, before mid-September, when the school year starts. Concerning tests and isolate systems, the recommendations continue to be to only have contact with those living in the same house and try to keep the safe bubble. Everyone who has symptoms or have been diagnosed must remain at home for at least 10 days. And in Spain, any legal residents can carry out a test under the Spanish social security system who will be the one monitoring its individual and will trace its near contacts. Concerning uh, border controls, as from 1 July, the European Digital COVID Certificate has been implemented. And when traveling among European member states, the holder of said certificates should be exempted from free movement restrictions, unless they are necessary and proportionate to safeguard public health. This certificate is not a requirement to allow free movement between the European member states, but it's a measure to coordinate the movement restrictions uh, with a view to the holiday season. In any case, those with no European certificate or uh, coming from other foreign countries must submit a PCR negative test issued within the last 72 hours of the trip or a certificate proving that they uh, have been fully vaccinated within the last 14 days. Thanks, Christina. And in terms of uh, work and people coming to work, is there any restriction on people coming to work or are they required to work from home? I think I saw you were working uh, in the office today. So is that common amongst everyone in Madrid now? It depends. The recommendations to work in the office emphasis is that you must uh, keep you know, your mask on and the distance on one meter of a, and a half and the meetings cannot exceed in Madrid eight people. So it depends in the, in the workplace of each uh, company. The restrictions remain the same. There is not a, a, a more relaxed uh, decision or resolution in that regard. Okay, thank you. Christina, for the update in Spain. And then turning finally on this round to Karen in Singapore. Uh, Singapore, Karen, was doing wonderfully well. And then we read that it's just gone back down into lockdown. What's going on? Uh, that's right, Stephen. So in Singapore, the government has adopted the line test, trace and vaccinate. Um, but we're in the midst of some strict social restrictions here uh, in the forms of bans on dining in, uh, the imposition of work from home as a default and limits uh, of two people on all social gatherings. We have a very low tolerance for cases here, which is part of the reason uh, for the semi-lockdown. Uh, and that really stems from the fact that the death rate for COVID-19 in Singapore is extremely low and it stands at just 36. Uh, and that's for the entire uh, pandemic. Turning to those three concepts that I mentioned, test, trace and vaccinate, uh, testing in Singapore is now undertaken very, very fast, uh, liberally and very extensively. 
Uh, so we no longer test just for uh, people who are symptomatic, uh, but we also impose regular testing on those working in high risk environments, even after they've been vaccinated uh, and home testing was just uh, introduced. Contact tracing is really, really strong and it continues through both check-in uh, and location data uh, and quarantine uh, has now been extended to only not only those who are close contact of the COVID positive patient, but also to their household members. On vaccination, we're actually uh, going pretty well. So all residents of Singapore who are above the age of 12 are now able to receive vaccination and we're likely to hit the 75% full vaccination rate by the middle of August. Uh, and that's for everyone over the age of 12, not just those over the age of 18. But we've maintained a really strict quarantine system for all entries into Singapore. So prior approval is required for entry by all non-citizens permanent residents, uh, but there are differing quarantine requirements that apply for high and low risk countries. Uh, the approval system has allowed for the entry of foreign talent from low risk countries who are often called the magic six, while still preserving hotel quarantine space for those in Singapore who may be exposed to, to COVID-19. Given that the current caseload in Singapore uh, remains relatively high by Singapore standards, and the fact that we've just hit the 50% mark uh, for full vaccination, uh, border controls uh, remain extremely, extremely strict uh, and the social distancing measures that I talked about earlier are currently scheduled to remain in place until the 18th of August. Right. Okay. Thanks, Karen. Well, it looks like an interesting period ahead for Singapore, which is a nice segue into the issues for employers and how a lot of the circumstances of the vaccine rollouts in the different countries have had an impact on the performance of work and particularly how employers are having to manage and deal with it. And Karen, we might stay with you in relation to Singapore, because as we said, there's going to be restrictions on going through till mid-August at least. So I was just interested as to well, what, what issues are, are coming up in the context of that, but more particularly beyond that as well. Sure, thanks, Evan. I'll start with vaccination status and the ability of employers to require vaccination, uh, given that that's the, the main topic at the moment. Uh, and as we expected and foreshadowed at the start of the pandemic, uh, the Singapore government has uh, not left employers in a position where they have to determine themselves whether or not they can require vaccination. So the tripartite bodies comprising the Ministry of Manpower, Unions and the Singapore Employers Federation have released a joint advisory setting out the circumstances in which employers can require vaccination, uh, and that extends to circumstances in which they can require proof of vaccination and also gives guidance to employers on how to deal with those employees who cannot or choose not to get vaccinated. So there's a bit of work there to be done in implementing that advisory, but at least employers are not kind of left completely to their own devices of having to decide, well, would vaccination be a lawful and reasonable requirement with respect to that particular role? As we kind of move past the, the threshold for vaccination and start looking at the easing of restrictions with respect to office-based work, one of the big things that will be uh, a challenge here will be the continuation of work from home arrangements. Uh, so obviously while work from home uh, is the default, limits on office-based work are likely to be lifted as the vaccination rates increase. And Singapore doesn't traditionally have a long history of flexible work arrangements. So things like part-time work are uncommon and remote working was very rare before the pandemic. And so like in other countries, employers are going to have to finally balance any return to the office uh, against a desire by employees, particularly those with caring responsibilities, to retain flexible work arrangements, against a desire by many to return to the office and also an underlying fear, uh, particularly in Singapore, that any moves to remote working in a longer term basis will actually just lead to the offshoring of jobs to lower cost countries in Asia. And finally, the thing that uh, particularly uh, uh, organisations with multinational uh, remit uh, will be worried about is, is border controls and, and employers will need to manage issues regarding the inflows in and out of Singapore of ICTs and requests from employees to travel to see family members or to contract business uh, abroad. 
Singapore just lifted a current moratorium on requiring the payment of income tax for those who are currently in Singapore but actually employed overseas. Uh, and as these types of uh, moratoriums are lifted and as uh, border restrictions in other jurisdictions lift, I think a lot of employers here will need to be revisiting their current overseas working arrangements uh, to make sure that there aren't tax and other implications uh, with respect to those. Uh, and finally, the thing that, that we have seen some employers being caught off guard by is just having a difficulty in meeting their statutory repatriation requirements with respect to foreign workers, uh, particularly when it comes to countries that either capped inbound flights, uh, even for citizens, or otherwise uh, aren't be able to be reached because of a, a ban on, for example, transit passengers. Thanks, Karen. Yeah, and there's some really interesting points there, particularly given Singapore's somewhat unique position in the in the in the middle of Asia as a bit of a crossroads, but particularly a, a, a place where expatriates and people move through and uh, have previously done so with little little restriction. And obviously, there's um, a, a lot going into that as part of the COVID pandemic. Turning back to Madrid and Christina, uh, Karen mentioned working remotely and, and work from home arrangements. And, and you referred to earlier the fact that depending on the work arrangements, you might need to continue working from home. How has the Spanish government been, been dealing with that and other issues? The Spanish law concerning working remotely has been recently approved and it specifically distinguishes two scenarios, the working remotely due to COVID and the working remotely not linked to COVID. In the case of working remotely due to COVID, this regulation uh, establishes that employers are obliged to reimburse the expenses linked to working remotely due to COVID. So in some sectors, employers are already paying a lump sum to the, to the employees reimbursing said expenses. These amounts uh, range between 50, 150 euros. In any case, many employers are plan to continue with the flexible system uh, even after COVID. Uh, in these cases, employers must be aware that if the employees work remotely more than 30% of their working time, that is more than one and a half days per week from their home, a remote working agreement must be necessarily formalized between the parties. And this agreement must have a minimum statutory content, as otherwise the, the companies could be sanctioned with fines up to 6,250 euros. So in practice, this measure are making employers a look like to exceed that uh, threshold of the 30% of their working time. So we must see how this is going to, to, to go on, uh, onwards. Uh, on the other hand, concerning the, the records of the employees who are, have been vaccinated, since vaccination is information is considered sensitive data, employers cannot oblige the employees to provide this information and neither to, to prove that they are vaccinated. However, employers could carry out voluntary and anonymous service to take the percentage of employees who are fully vaccinated and implement measures in the workplace if necessary. Concerning the obligation to get vaccinated in Spain, the, the vaccination is not compulsory. So employers cannot oblige the employees to vaccinate. Only in some limited sectors, such as health services, nursing, where employees could imply a risk for the health of, of other colleagues or customers, the compulsory vaccination could, if necessary, be, be justified. Yeah, thank you, Christina. And, and just in terms of the sensitive data and the vaccination, et cetera, and you can't be obliged to disclose it, it suggests that a, a health pass of the type that Muriel was talking about in Paris is a long way off coming into play in, in, uh, in Spain by the sound of it. Well, um, I think uh, 
in the, for example, in uh, all the people that is uh, working in the health services, uh, we check the rates at almost 100% of the uh, of the employees and specialists have been vaccinated voluntary. So the, I think the percentage of the people that is not getting vaccinated is, is very low in Spain. In, in health services, yeah. No, health services, I mean, everybody is vaccinated. And in general terms, the uh, main of the people is agreed to, to vaccinate voluntarily. So there's not a, a big a debate in this regard. Yes, okay. Thanks, Christina. Judith, let's turn back to Germany. Uh, and we've heard a bit about uh, working from home and vaccination and whether employers can require that. What is the position in Germany at the moment? Yeah, well, as already said, the duty to work from home under the federal emergency break expired at the end of June and is now taken by temporary measure provisionally valid until 10th of September this year. And this regulation generally stipulates that employers are obliged to draw up a company hygiene concept um, to provide protective masks, possibly ventilation and COVID tests for employees twice a week and also to allow flexible working time to avoid overloaded public transport during rush hour. In case of shared offices, the minimum area per employee must generally not fall below 10 square meters. And um, like in Spain, um, uh, in Germany, employees cannot be forced to get vaccinated against COVID. And moreover, employers may not even ask questions related to the vaccination status of employees. With regard to tests, as already said, employers are obliged to offer COVID tests to staff twice a week. Um, however, there are generally no mandatory tests for employees, except for employees responsible for vulnerable groups. And um, I just recently heard that uh, some states now implemented a mandatory testing for employees who have returned from their vacation and who have been absent for more than five days from work. But this is a very new Business travels are still considered very insecure and should therefore be replaced by virtual meetings. And yeah, as a general comment, there's no legal right to working from home in Germany. And this topic is um, therefore currently broadly discussed um, as there are a lot of things to regulate if employees are working um, regularly from home, such as working hours, technical equipment, costs, access rights and termination. Employers need to implement home office agreements or respective company policies. Thanks, Judith. And just on the offering of COVID tests twice a week by employers, who bears the cost of that? Does the employer have to pay the cost or is it a government? No, that's the employer. Yeah. Right. And and it's a voluntary other than in the circumstances you mentioned for the employers to whether they take that up or not. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Muriel, I almost don't want to ask you whether or not employers have to offer <laughs> COVID tests in, in, in Paris, do they? Um, not really, but they have to let people, let employees go and make the vaccination. So I will say two measures have been implemented. One uh, called the self-test on a voluntary basis and in compliance with medical confidentiality and provided that the employees have been informed by a health professional, employers can make self-tests available to employees. Also easing access to vaccination for employees should the employees decide to be vaccinated by their company's occupational health services, the employer must allow them to be absent even during working hours for the purpose of vaccination. Should employees not wish to get vaccinated by their company's occupational health services, there is no specific authorization, 
but employers are encouraged to ease access to vaccination for employees. A new bill submitted to Parliament this week provides that absence due to vaccination will not result in a reduction in pay even for employees who do not get vaccinated by occupational health services. And regarding remote uh, working rules. As I said before, remote working is no longer mandatory at 100% of the working time in France, but audio and, or video conference meetings are still to be preferred. In the case of face-to-face -face meetings, employees must comply with barrier measures, in particular the wearing of masks, ventilation and room airing measures. Mm. Thank you, Muriel. That sounds like uh, everything is geared towards encouraging people to get vaccinated. Yeah, as I said before, Stephen, this is our issue here. We need really people to be vaccinated. And I will say urgently regarding the situation. Yes, yes. Uh, and let's just turn to the UK then, Ruth. Uh, issues employers need to be mindful of. I'm assuming not just everyone now at nightclubs, which is what we, what we read and hear about. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, that's where everybody is <laughs> in the UK. Um, we have um, we've got some of the, the similar issues to uh, to the other speakers. I guess just to to call out a couple of other ones from a UK perspective. One of the biggest issues we have here at the moment is staff self isolating, particularly in sectors such as retail and hospitality. With the restrictions being lifted, it's been suggested that our positive cases could hit you know, up to about 100,000 cases a day during the summer. And until the 16th of August, which is when the rules on self-isolation will change, that means that millions more people are likely to be pinged by our track and trace app and then have to self-isolate. And that's leading to some quite significant staff shortages where staff aren't able to, to work from home. Then the other issue that um, a lot of our clients have been thinking about recently is the impact of long COVID. It's estimated that between 60,000 and 2 million people in the UK may be impacted by long COVID. And so employers that have affected employees are starting to consider whether that condition could be classed as a disability under our discrimination law. We also have our trade union congress here pressing for it to automatically be classed as a disability so that employees don't need to establish it through going through tribunal proceedings. And why it's important is because once somebody's classed as disabled, employers have a legal obligation then to make reasonable adjustments to the workplace, and a failure to do that will amount to discrimination. Employers have to trade quite carefully in that area um, because the, the compensation that can be awarded in discrimination cases is potentially uncapped, um, so it's quite a serious consideration for, for employers right now. Yeah, and I'd imagine you would not want to be the employer that's a test case on on what is long COVID and how you prove it and and how you assess any damages or liability. Uh, Ruth, can I just ask about the self-isolating? Is that mandatory or is it um, voluntary by the by the staff member if they if they get pinged? That's a it's a good question, um, and actually the current stance on that seems to uh, seems to change on an almost daily basis. Uh, it isn't mandatory. Um, but it is highly, highly recommended because at the moment, you know, you don't actually have to download the track and trace app. So lots of people don't actually have it. Um, so you're really relying a lot on the UK population kind of, um, you know, buying into the regime. 
but as you said, if you get a whole workplace, particularly retail, but other other workplaces where everyone happens to contract it at the same time, even if they're even if they're vaccinated and they all decide to self-isolate, that could present enormous challenges from a resourcing perspective. Yeah, and actually, our, one of our main headlines this morning in the UK was um, uh, supermarket shelves being empty, uh, which is again caused by so many staff in um, in the UK having to to go off and self isolate right now. Right. Okay. Well, everyone will be watching uh, the UK experiment, if I could call it that, with, <laughs> with interest. Uh, and equally, equally, I think in the other countries where each has a slightly different variant in relation to, I shouldn't use that word, but a, a approach to how things are unfolding from a, a vaccination rollout and, and then management of the issues perspective. Uh, and similarly in Australia, as I said earlier, we are well behind all of the other countries in relation to the rollout. So we will be watching uh, very much with interest in terms of the management of the different issues. Well, that brings us to the end of our discussion on the COVID vaccination rollout around the different countries covered. Thank you to our presenters on a very interesting and informative update. And thank you to our listeners. We hope you found the discussion valuable. And whilst I'd like to think we won't need to do a part three to this series, We will keep that option open. And in the meantime, I'd like to wish all of our listeners well in managing the COVID changes and challenges in their respective countries over the coming months. And thank you for listening.